Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Can we celebrate what God's doing in the next generation here across our church? And I just want to take just a minute and say thank you, church, for the way that you give and serve and care and make room for the next generation because they don't have to wait for this to be their church. This is their church. Amen? We're going to start over. Pretend that didn't happen. They don't have to wait for this to feel like this is their church. This is their church. Amen. That's way better. I love that. And by the way, parents, if your kids are not signed up yet, middle school or high school, text retreat to 37748. You're going to want to be a part of this. God moves every year in these things. The stories are amazing, and we believe God's going to do amazing things there. And you heard in the testimony the power of a small group. Your people, right? Having your people. In fact, that's not just for students. That's for all of us. And so adults here across the campuses online, you can text in the word groups to 37748. Sign up. Start today. And I'm going to ask you, don't make me like pitch this thing and sell. Like, you know, you know that you're better with people that love Jesus next to you or chasing him with you, right? We're dangerous when we're by ourselves. Isolation is dangerous. You're only as sick as you're secrets. We need people around us. So text that, get involved. It's a huge part of what we say when we're in this series in Psalm 92 saying, listen, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God because church is not just a service you attend. It's the soil that you plant your life in and you grow in. And our our aim for you is not just that you'd show up on Sundays for an hour, although it's a huge part. It is not the whole of what God invites us to. He invites us into the conversation of putting your roots down somewhere. And we're hoping that you jumped in with us and said, listen, in 2024, I am all in. I'm going after this. I'm putting my roots down. I am here for the year, and I believe God's going to help you grow massively. And today, we finish the conversation we started at the beginning of January. I'm going to tell you about that. We're going to wrap that. But I want to tell you, starting next week, we're jumping into a relationship series for the month of February, and I am stoked about it. I can't, I don't have time to tell you all the things, but we're going to hit not just like a marriage series. This is going to be relationships in general. Most of us, if many, if not most of us, don't know what it means to be a good friend anymore. We know how to be a a friend on Facebook or Instagram. We don't know what it means to actually be a real friend. Most of us don't know how to make a friend. I'm not going to ask for hands because it gets awkward. Most, many, if not most of us, have not made a new friend since college because we don't know how to do it anymore. We're going to talk about all that through the month of February. You need to be here. God's, God's going to move in a really powerful way. And scripture has a lot to say about biblical friendship. But, but today we're, we're, we're finishing the conversation we started, which sort of anchors in this verse in the book of Mark where Jesus said, man, the, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And in February, we finished the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, by the way. But we'll come back to that in February. Today, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we sort of gave this, this picture of how God grows us up, what maturity starts to look like, where there's this reality that 
He has to grow up and deepen the roots of our mind. We call that biblical knowledge. You can throw that up there, guys. You, it, we call that biblical knowledge, and we taught how do you read the Bible. And then last week, and we talk about the heart side of this as well, where there's a spiritual intimacy. You can know God, and we taught last week, how do I pray? And I hope you were in the ACTS devotional this week, actually putting your roots down in prayer. And today, we talk about our will, and we call that holy obedience. And you're only as deep, you're only as strong, your life only flourishes in the place where all three of those things overlap in your life. And I don't know what you grew up in. I don't know what your church traditions are. I don't know what your grandmama used to teach you. I don't know what your experience and faith has been, but you tend to lean one place or the other. But there's a beauty in the three of these things aligning because who cares if you just memorize a bunch of Bible verses and nothing else? Who, who cares if you, if you just spend a bunch of time like listening to worship music and getting chill bumps and going, oh, you're so good, and nothing else? And who cares if you just do a bunch of to-do lists and nothing else? But I want you to begin to see this. The whole of this series has pointed to today. And it's been a giant setup to have a conversation where I think most of us are broke because here's the reality Biblical knowledge, our mind fuels our obedience and our will. Our prayer life should fuel our will and our obedience. And the way we live should be fueled by the way we read the Bible and we pray. And the way that our life looks should look like we're different. Because we follow Jesus and he's transformed us. God's design wasn't that you just get smarter in intellectualism. Here's what Jesus said. If you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then interesting definition of love. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus is connecting our love and our obedience. Yesterday was my 18th wedding anniversary. Our marriage is officially an adult now. It's crazy. Uh, I remember knowing 18-year marriages and going, those folks are old. Man, like 18 years in marriage, that's crazy. Now I'm here, I'm like, I feel young, I feel okay. Uh, 18 years of marriage. And my wife, I can say I love you all that I want, but if I don't have an, uh, a will and an action and an obedience to the vows that we took, how good is the word I love you? Marriages don't usually split up because someone doesn't say I love you enough. <laughs> Most of the time, marriages break up because all they do is say I love you and they don't live I love you. And what Jesus is saying is, if you love me, obey, keep my commandments. And, and I, I, I want you to catch this. I have so much anticipation for today because I think if you would actually put this into practice, it would change everything. There's places that God wants to take you that he can't take you if you live disobedient. There's things that God wants to do in your marriage and your relationships and in your character and in your career that he, he's not, not going to do if you, if, you don't, if you just do the biblical knowledge and prayer thing and don't obey and don't live different. I think that, that some of the biggest messes in our lives are a result of disobedience. And what if God brought you here today as a setup to say, listen, I want to teach you how to actually play this out. Because here's the question of the day. How do I actually obey God? 
How do I actually do this? Listen, I've done the legalistic thing growing up in the, in the sort of church family I grew up in. It was all legalism, man. Just look good. Dress right to church and don't cuss. Good job. And it gets exhausting, like just trying to do religious stuff and look like a Christian should look. And man, in the South, I don't know where you're watching from, but down here in the South, we know how to look like a Christian and then live privately like something else. That's not what Jesus is talking about. This is not a look better than you live. This is an invitation to a life of surrender and trust that, listen, God loves you and knows best. And if we would obey the things he would do in our life, in fact, here's how I'd say it. What we've been teaching in January is this. God actually speaks to us through the Bible and through prayer. And you can't obey God if you don't know what he says and you won't obey God if you can't trust his voice. And the Bible tells us what he says, and prayer teaches us to trust his voice. God speaks to us through his word and through prayer, and now we talk about how we live it out today. But why is this tricky? Because God's voice is not the only voice. Like, we don't live up in like a monastery on the top of a hill where there's no internet or friendships or social media or other opinions or voices. We live in the real world. There's plenty of voices that tell you. In fact, some of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life are because I listened to the wrong voices. I'm actually going to do a show of hands. How many of you have at least one regretful memory of someone telling you to do something, you listening and going, I wish I wouldn't have done it? Be honest, around the room. Not show of hands. How many of you have a mug shot? No hands. A mug shot as a, as a result of it. We've been there. That was a hand. I, I want to hear that story. Anyway, I, I was in college leaving a basketball game at Indiana University, and my friend, this is all it took. Bro, you should steal a traffic cone. And I went, good idea. Grabbed it, threw it in the back seat. Cops saw me, pulled us over. I almost went to jail. Why? All it took was one voice. You should get that. Good call. Grab it. What? Like, like some of the biggest mistakes I've made, I, my, my roommate said, listen, let's sneak out after curfew in college. And I said, that's a good call. Let's go sneak out. What do we do? Went to Taco Bell. It's God's food. It's delicious and full of regret, but delicious. And I didn't realize I snuck out while my RAs were in a meeting in the room above mine, literally watching out the window as I ran out and ran back in. I lost curfew privileges for like two weeks. It was terrible. All it took was one voice listening to the wrong voice. Our biggest mistakes are because we listened to the wrong voice. And if we were honest, if we looked in the rearview mirror of our life, some of the biggest messes we've created are because we listened to the wrong voice. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the day. I'm going to, I'm going to explain what holy obedience is. And then I want to illustrate what it looks like. And I've prayed this week that God would take the picture we put in front of you today and would just etch it into your mind and your soul and you would, you'd never be able to forget the picture that God has for us because this is how God wants to move and speak in your life. So let's, let's, let's break it down if you're taking notes. Here's the first. Here's what we mean. Holy obedience, two words. First word, holy. And holy means this. It means agreeing with what God says is good and evil. Like it has to start with like, yes, God, whatever you say is good and evil, I agree. And that's, that's a decision we make that God, if you say it, I believe it and I agree. If you say it's good, I believe you. If you say it's evil, if it's bad, it will hurt me, I believe you. It's what broke down in the Garden of Eden. God spoke, do anything you want, enjoy it, 
Don't eat from that one tree. And then Satan spoke, hey, I don't think God meant that. And Adam and Eve went like, yeah, cool, good call. Steal the cone. Like it all it took was a, a little whisper. We have to agree that what God says is good is good. What God says is evil is evil. And here's the problem in the church and in each of our lives. We tend to go seeking out voices that agree with what we want to be good and what we want to be evil. Tell me you've not asked an opinion and got the opinion you didn't want and then asked again. Some of y'all ladies, you're dating guys and you're like, I want this to be the one. And you're like, your, your church friends are like, he ain't the one. You're like, well, you ain't the voice I'm listening to. All right, what, what do you think? And you ask until you get the answer you want. Listen, tell me you've, hopefully not you. You're like, hey, man, I, the company, man, they're taking advantage. They're not giving me my overtime stuff and they're this. I, what if I just started taking like this from the office or I could, this is justified, right? And someone goes, no. And you go, well, I'm going to ask a different voice. Hey, I, I, it's okay if I don't tell my wife this, right? And your, bro, your bro's like, no, dude, you're going to tell your wife. You're not the guy I want to listen to. Find someone that tells me what I want to hear. And that's now the voice I listen to for what is good and what is evil. And you go, that's how we tend to act. Scripture speaks directly to this. 2 Timothy 4, listen to this and tell me we've not all been here. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. What's he saying? We all will look for the voice that makes us feel justified to do the thing we want to do anyway. And this is just a loving caution. My goodness gracious. You, if you want to find a voice that will justify the thing you want to do, you can find it. Now more easily than ever. You know what's scary? You can find a social media group that exists to make you feel justified in the thing you want to do. And you can group up based on the voices that all agree with each other. And you can find yourself in a place where you are agreeing with what is good and bad with the wrong voices, and you will wake up in a mess, I promise you. See, holy obedience has to start with who gets to say what is holy. And if you, like Adam and Eve, will find a voice that justifies and give you permission, you can find it and you will find yourself in a mess. It has to start out with God. Like someone has to be the authority. Like if God created you and created everything, someone has to be the authority. Who will you agree with and say that is who gets to decide what is good and what is evil? And the voice that you choose to listen to will be consequential. But that's not it. Holy, second word is obedience. And obedience is aligning to what God says is good and evil. Like it's not enough just to go, hey, I agree with you, and then do whatever you want. <laughs> like this is the obedience part of holy obedience obedience. My kids can't just agree with what I say. They have to live it out and obey it. Like my son Lincoln, we were, we were sitting on the couch. My wife was running errands one Saturday. We were just having one of those lazy days and he'd been on his tablet like a while. And I leaned over and I did the, hey bud, you've been on that tablet a long time and that thing is right here. That's probably not good. That's, that's probably not a healthy thing for you to sit on that tablet so long and he says, man, dad, that's a, that's a good point. I agree with you. Good call. And just did not, didn't look up from the tablet. 
And I'm like, has he learned? Like, if I just feel like he heard me, I'm sort of halfway there and I'm sort of good. He just, oh, dad, good point. Still look at his tablet. That's the, ver- that's, that's the kid version of us. We're in church and you go, amen, knowing full well tomorrow morning you ain't living that way. Come on, preacher. Sometimes the loudest people, the ones, anyway, like you sit in church and you're like, you're amening it. I agree with the truth of God, but you don't align to it. See, there's a, there's a take up your cross and follow me piece to this whole thing. There's a count the cost and follow. There's an obedience that God invites us into. It's, and there's this sinful part of all of us that like when I see a wet paint sign, I have to touch it to see. Anybody? Be honest. When I was a kid, next door to my grandparents' house in Michigan was like this big dairy farm, and they had an electric fence, and there was clearly marked. And I was like, is it though? Until we got touched, you we were like, yep, that's a lot. Like there's this desire to like test is, is what you say is true. Is it actually true? And God's like, man, you have to not just agree, you have to align your life to the truth of God. And he has a voice of truth through scripture and prayer. You have to decide if you'll agree and align. So here's holy obedience. Holy obedience is agreeing and aligning to what God says is good and evil. And that's the teaching. And you're like, that's it? We can go home? Some of you are excited. Don't, that hurts my feelings when you do that. Yes, but I, I want to I play this out. Because the most basic things are often the hardest to know how to like put into practice. Have you notice that? Like sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to like actually play out. And I want to give us a picture because oftentimes we feel like holy obedience is agreeing and aligning to what God says is good and evil. It feels like God's some distant deity that just doesn't, he just follow my rules. And God's saying, man, I, I love you enough to have given you my word so you know what I say is good for your life and bad for your life and to give you the Holy Spirit so through prayer you can know what is good and bad for your life. I love you like a dad. I'm not some distant dictator telling you what to do. I love you. So the only way I know how to explain this is with an illustration. And I hope this sticks in our heads because I want the best for my kids like God wants the best for you. And so would you help me welcome my daughter, Lizzie? Would you come out, baby? Can you help me welcome her? Hey, girly. This is my daughter, and she is beautiful, and she is 14 years old. And if you are a high school boy, I will end you where you stand. If you, I'm, I'm just going to stand like this. High school boys, avert your eyes. That's my daughter. I will end you. I'm waiting. There you go. All right, your eyes are down. So here's the deal. Lizzie, I want to play this out because I love you. Do you trust that I love you? Yeah. I'm looking for a yes, sir. Like, yes, show respect. Yes, sir. Do you trust that I love you? Yes, sir. Okay, now I want more heart. Less like, like military. Do you, now, you know I love you. Do you trust me? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Do you believe I want the best for you? Yes. Do you think I would do anything that would hurt you? No. Why is that a question mark? <laughs> Well, we're going to put all this to the test because I have a friend. Travis, why don't you come out? Would you help me welcome Travis out here? All right. 
And Travis, you brought some friends with you as well, right? I did, right? I did. Uh, I'll bring them out from that side. They'll, they'll kind of start coming out a little bit, yeah. And yeah. they can start setting stuff up because yep, we're going to yep. play something out. Yes. Because the teaching is like, it's all right, agree, yeah. align to what God says is yeah, good boring, and bad. Yeah, honestly. Am I, I'm sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wasn't scripted. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything, but I agreed. I almost fell asleep myself. Uh, it's so simple. Yes. But the, the context by which we have to live this out is what gets hard. Right. Because life is not just simple and easy. Like there's, there's issues, there's obstacles, there's things that, that, that we have to sort of maneuver around. Yep. And beyond the obstacles, there's other voices and other people. So why don't you sort of play out? What are we yeah. about, to, about to do together? So, with this? so I'm going to help uh, try to force your daughter to walk through an obstacle course. Uh, but what I have is some uh, things that can create a mess, That's some fair. things that can maybe be a little bit dangerous, things she's going to want to avoid. And uh, I want uh, to walk her through that blindfolded and see how she does. Lizzie, how is you that feeling? cool? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you come over here? Let's get right. set. Travis, you walk us through the sort of the, well, the degrees of complexity. Yeah, so here. I mean, this is just, you know, some champagne flutes that you bump into those are just going to make a mess. It's annoying, but it's not that huge a deal. This is an, an actual cake, which I'm going to enjoy right now. After I'm, the benefits Very of being on stage. Brand. You knock that over, and you make an even bigger mess. This is a beautiful vase of, uh, you know, you knock that over, it's going to shard, you could step on it, hurt that's your feet. That's not fun. We're going to up it a little bit more, and this is, um, this is something that's just fun. It's just, a, it's just knives. And, uh, <laughs> just a container Yeah, just having fun with knives, right? Yeah. As you do. So, you know, blindfolded, and uh, that's what we got. What's the last one? We'll talk about that later. Well, that's, it's, uh, it's, uh, this we're is ramping my, up. This is not fun. an actor. This is my actual daughter. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're fine. Yeah, that's your responsibility, not mine, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Legally speaking, you are correct. Right. So, uh, what I was thinking is that w you would walk her through, right? Um, try to help give her guidance. We're going to try to distract her as much as possible. And, so what are the uh, rules? They can do whatever they want? They, well, they just, uh, yes, distract her as much as possible. You can't touch her, but you can say anything that you think motivates her to uh, do what you want her to do instead of what she wants to do. All right? So does that sound good? Let's bring her up here, though, because I don't want to just walk her straight through it. All right? Okay, right. so hey, let's spin, spin around. Let's spin around. Yeah, One, spin around two, real good. Three, Keep going. Four, okay. All right, stop. All right, so on, are you ready you to go? Like you have balance yet? All right, now you get to walk with her, right? Yeah, I'm, I can't touch okay. her. I can just talk to her, right? Yes, yes. Can't touch her. I can't touch her either, but I'm going to distract her too. Do you feel like you're dizzy still? Or are you okay? No, I'm good. Okay, oh, she's good. Oh, then spin around again then. No, I don't want her dizzy. Oh, That's not okay. the point. Okay, okay. All right, here we go. You ready? On your mark, get set, go. Dizzy. Oh, my word, your dad is so right, sus. Lizzie. Don't even listen Take to him. two steps forward. He doesn't even care about me. One more step forward. Keep walking. Keep All right, pivot to the right. Keep turning right. One more click. One more. All right, three steps forward. where you want. A little bit more to right. your right. All right. On your one yep. more step forward. Now step backward. Now step now back. Turn left. Swing turn your arms left. around. Oh my word. One more click right. Your dad doesn't love you. All right. Back left again. Shut up, Travis. Three steps forward. Cake is so good. Yeah. You want to eat cake? All right, stop. Cake is Take delicious. a right turn. No, right. Your other so right. There you go. Two steps forward. Taking you in. One more step forward. One more step forward. All right, pause. Pause for a second. We're about to get to the dangerous part, Lizzie. So this is where the knives are in play. So I, whatever happens, I need you to... Yes, yeah, she can't see where I'm pointing. But I need you to trust me. Listen very intently as I speak, okay? Okay. All right, what, okay. are we do what are you doing? Here's the next one. You want one last one? Oh, no. Is that cool? All right. 
I see. Oh. So this is not that big a deal, but it is. Oh, oh no. Oh no, that is Lizzie. You're gonna want to listen. Too much over the top. Listen, okay. your mother's going to the eleven o'clock right. service. She's not seeing this right now, it's okay. so it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lizzie, right. I need you to turn a little Hard bit left. Right. One step. One step. One more step. Stop. Take a right. Look right. One more click right. Why is he taking you off stage? Now dead straight. One step. One more step. Why are you listening to him? Stop. Pivot left. No, no, no. Pivot right. No. Sorry. One more click left. One more click left. Don't move. Now walk three steps. Pretty quick. One, keep going, keep going. Just start go, dancing. Go, go, so go faster. I'm like, close. Faster, faster, oh, faster. Thank you. Lizzie, don't move. All right, Liz, you ready? Look at that thing. Oh, no. Look, it's looking at you. It looks like you're a snack is what you look like. Don't move those. Golly, it's so poised. I hate snakes. It's curled up ready to strike you. It's not the bite. It's the paralysis that'll get you. Can can we thank Lizzie and all our friends today for making the point? Thank you, girl. No, this way. (laughs) Thank you. Here's. Thank you for that. There's a live snake. Can we keep it down for a second? Here's the point I want to make. The reason this gets complicated is because God's voice is not the only voice. The reason this gets complicated is because life is tricky to maneuver. It's not just perfect and everything works. There's obstacles. And let me just say this. As a parent, I'm watching this start to play out. As the world gets trickier and more complicated and the obstacles play out in life, we look to create bubbles around our kids by which there are no obstacles and no other voices. Can I just be honest? There's no way to create that world. There's no schooling arrangement that removes that. There's no protective bubble you can put around them by which they are perfectly protected. And the only voice they hear is yours and God's. They'll eventually leave your house. Otherwise, why would you do this? You want them to leave your house. Like they'll eventually have other voices. There's no perfect. Now you should protect them. But your goal as a parent is to prepare them, not just protect them. And you, as a parent, cannot fix and answer every other voice that yells into your kid's life. You can simply teach them how to listen to the one voice that matters the most. That's your job. My job as a parent is to do what I just did for Lizzie until she's old enough. And I say, listen, the way you listened to me, I need you now to listen to God. That's my ultimate job as a parent. And listen to me, as an adult, this is not just a kid's game. As an adult, there are so many voices. There's so many things where you're like, how does all this even play out in life? How am I supposed to make it through this? There's so many other voices and so many other things that that people speak and that people want to try to convince us to do. And you go, man, if, if God would speak to me like you spoke to Lizzie, I would obey as well. Man, I'm glad you said that. Because the last two weeks, we've begun to teach you that the practices by which you can hear God like Lizzie just heard me. And we, we, we play around like reading the Bible and praying is like the, the, the duties we have to do to like be a Christian person. And we do the things, check the box, when in fact, it's God's voice speaking into your life. How do you know how to live holy as he is holy, as scripture tells us? How do you know how to live this thing out? 
You have to know God's word. And how do you know when you're drifting from God's truth? The Holy Spirit convicts you in prayer. That's how this works. And the complexity is this thing plays out with so many other voices. So I want to play it out. How do you date correctly? Like, what does it look like to live wholly obedient in the way you date? Because listen to me, there are so many other voices that tell you how to do this. And the way you date is this and this and this. And listen, try out a bunch of people and, and sleep around and you do the things. And how are you going to get a man if you don't do a little bit of that and this and that? That's how you date. And can I tell you what's going to happen when you live that way? You're walking through life and you bump into stuff and you're going to make messes and break things at a soul level that you will live with and carry for the whole of your life. The other voices, they're telling you this is what is good and bad and how you date. And how do you know how to live if you don't understand? Like, here's what, what God says. Listen, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That means if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't date as a missionary. You don't use your dating to try to go reach people far from Jesus. You do that with friendship, not dating. Because when you're dating, you're dating to see, is this someone I could give my life to for the whole of my life? You don't go play around with people who don't share the same values and priority for Jesus. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Meaning if you hang out with the wrong people long enough, you start to play with things you wouldn't have played with and the things you value start to drift. And then it, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality meaning this, even if the other voices and friends in your life say, listen, this is how you date. God's voice says, oh, son, daughter, if you date that way, you're going to knock things over and there's going to be knives that fall and cuts that you carry that you can never come back from. You will carry all of the sexual immorality into your marriage one day and you think, this is how I find my partner. And God goes, oh, I want the best for you. Do you think Lizzie at any point in that illustration was saying, Dad, you're really cramping my style. Dad, I wish you'd give me some space to have some freedom. I want to figure this life out. I'm, a, I'm 14 now, Dad. I'm grown. At any point, did she want me to be quiet in this example? No. God's not trying to cramp our style. He's trying to speak into our life so we don't make messes or worse or worse. <laughs> In fact, some of y'all have dated this. Proverbs 31.30, listen. <laughs> Proverbs 31.30 says this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Listen, charm and beauty is fleeting and it can look like, I want to, is that a real, is that a real snake? Let's play around with that. And you wake up and realize, man, the way you, that the highest priority in your dating is not charm, it's not beauty. And the reason God speaks into these things is because he wants the best for you. He loves you. He's not trying to keep you from fun or enjoyment. And you go, man, how, how else does this play out? Like, how does this play out in, in, in marriage? Proverbs 21, 19 says, it is better to live in a desert land than with a, with a quarrelsome wife. Amen, somebody. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't. Amen that one. Like, let, here's how marriage works. You have voices. What should marriage look like? What should it look like to play, to be husband and wife? Matthew 19, 5 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Meaning this, you as a, as a mama's boy growing up, at some point you got to leave mama and cleave to your wife. 
You don't, you don't stay connected to the nuclear family like you used to. This is a new family now. I don't care what TV shows say marriage looks like. I don't care what life and people and friends and other marriages say. God says, listen, you become two, become one, and you leave your father and mother. You play it out. And then Ephesians 5 says that wives submit to your husbands as you do the Lord. Can you submit and allow your husband to lead? And before you say amen, guys, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, can you lay your life down and sacrifice and show your wife that you love her? The beauty of marriage is not what you see on television or Instagram stories. It's that two people would die for each other and don't live in secrets. And the world's, you're blindfolded walking through life going, God, what do I do for marriage? God speaks into the most practical things in your parenting. Psalm 127 says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Can I just tell you, if you're young in parenting, you got the toddlers, you got the young babies, it often doesn't feel like a reward. Maybe you just need to hear that. You know what culture says sometimes? That kids are not a reward. They're a, they're a curse, not a blessing. They're a burden, not a blessing. Oh, it's a gift from God. How do I raise my kids? Proverbs 13, 24. One who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Part of what's broke is we don't like when God disciplines us, so we don't discipline our kids, and we'd rather have the freedom to do what we want and just knock stuff over and live in the mess. And God goes, I have so much more for you. And the way you raise your kids is you discipline your kids. I could go on. I literally have like 75 verses here that just speak to how God speaks for how we're supposed to live. And here's what you have to know. There are voices everywhere. And everybody has an opinion on what is good and what is evil. But there is one who loves you the most and knows what is best. And holy obedience means I agree, God, with what you say is good and evil. And then I align my life to what you say is good and evil. So you say go left, I go left. You say go right, I go right. And where do I hear God's voice? Through the Bible and through prayer. God didn't leave us here on our own to figure this out, but I need to give you a warning. God loves you enough that he will let you disobey. Meaning, did I grab Lizzie and force her to do what I said for her to do? That's a picture of what God does. There's free will and there's a freedom. We get to make decisions. And here's an old saying my dad and grandfather used to tell me, you can make your own decisions and you get to decide, but you don't get to decide the consequences. You can do whatever you want, but you don't get to decide what happens. And here's what I believe. God will let you bump into tables. Heads up and see if this will... And God will let you, oh, oh, snakes. God will let you make a mess with your life. I want you to hear this. I've seen, I've seen too many people disobey God, bump into the things that God said, oh, son, oh, daughter, I didn't want that for you. And then look around and say, God, where are you in all this? God, how could you let this happen? And God's like, I was here, I was speaking through my word. If you, if you, if you look, I, I tell you how to live. And I was speaking through prayer. If you'd listen to my voice and we sit around and we go, God, how could you? And I want to acknowledge, can I tell you what's so hard about teaching right now? 
is I, I know how to teach like true north, like this is how you're supposed to live. But as I do, most of us has live, have lived long enough to where we have regrets after you hear a teaching. Like you might be 13 and going, this is awesome, thank you. I've not made the mistakes yet. But now we live long enough where it's like I'm standing in the rubble of the things I've messed up and it feels discouraging when you, when you teach stuff like this. Can I tell you the same God and the same Bible that tells you how you could have avoided the table tells you what you do when you bump into the table. See, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's what God's saying. God will meet you in the mess of all this. Like God, God will meet you in the mess and he'll say, listen, I will honor current obedience over past mistakes. You can start fresh and God has an uncanny way of cleaning up the messes that we make when we disobey and God doesn't remove consequences, but he loves you enough to meet you in your mess and go, guess what? My mercy is new tomorrow. My grace is enough. The totality of January was to have this conversation. See, the majority of regrets that we have in life are because we didn't agree with what God said was good and evil. We nodded along in agreement, but didn't align to it. And this is not a legalism talk or a checklist or a religious talk. This is a heart of a father who, if you would sit in his word, you could hear his voice speak to your life. If you'd sit in prayer, not just for the five-day devotion we did, but sit in prayer, you would hear the Holy Spirit begin to prompt and say, oh, son, daughter, careful. You're getting real close there. Pride comes before the fall. I'll just take a step back on that one. He would speak into how you date, how you do marriage, how you do parenting, how you do finances, how you do career, how you exist in relationships at your job, how you deal with all the emotions inside of you and how you interpersonally relate, how you look in the mirror and don't feel regret. God wants to speak into all of it. But oftentimes the other voices are so much more accessible and man, they sound a lot more like what I want to be good and evil. And just agreeing with God and not aligning is no better than disobedience. And agreeing with the wrong voices and saying that's good and evil is destructive. Church, what would it look like if we just said for 2024, the first voice I'm going to go to, the first place I'm looking is God's word and prayer. God's holy word, God's Holy Spirit. What would it look like if 12 months? Because can I tell you what gets exhausting? And I'll do it till the day I die because I love you and God loves you and God loves people. Do you know what I would much rather spend our time as a church doing? Not cleaning up the messes of the things we've broke, but spending time going, God can teach you how to avoid them. You don't have to sin. You don't have to play with things that can kill you. My goodness, God, it loves you enough that he would speak. See, let me ask you this. Where are you most tempted or most likely to listen to the wrong voice and therefore have the wrong definition of good and evil for your life? Or where are you most tempted to like be churchy and be in church and go, yeah, I agree, and then walk away from it? See, if you looked in the rearview mirror of your life, I'm telling you, the places where you find messes are the places where you disregarded or disobeyed God's voice. 
We're not playing church. We're not putting on events for people. We're inviting you to root your life in the truth of God's word. It's why we do the things we're doing. It's why we do small groups. It's why we do weekends. It's why we encourage you in this. So here's what we're going to do. Your pastors across the campuses are going to step up. We just want to pray over you. And then we're going to invite you. If you can't see it, that's another piece of confetti from the 50 plus folks. I'll wait. There it is. Holy Spirit, take us back. We're going to pray over you. And we're going to invite you in to like getting into groups. Why? Because the voices you listen to affect you. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.